0: Welcome, citizens. You're listening to New Amsterdam
1: Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. New Amsterdam Radio starts now. What's going on, citizens? Hope everyone's doing okay. It's kind of the dead of winter, if you're in most parts of this country, but it's also around that time. We got love in the air, man, especially the love of Baseball, but before I get into the reason why that's the case, let's just say thank you so much for checking out this podcast, part of the New Amsterdam Entertainment Network. It means the world to me. The flagship show, New Amsterdam Radio, has been around for, I can actually say this without hyperbole, five years now, over 230 episodes, plus bonus episodes, to be frank with you, and it's rocking and rolling, uh, newamstam.com. Uh, at New Amsterdam on that Instagram. And of course, uh, that X, it is new underscore Amsterdam as well. SeatGeek still sponsors the show, y'all. What are you doing? Are you going to sporting events? Are you going to concerts and not using SeatGeek? Well, that's a mistake. And listen, I like the fact that you have good taste in podcasts. That's why I'm trying to give you that promo code, FLOBITO, F L O B I T O, for 20 Dollars off your first order. Let's be real. Sometimes you see those fees and you're like, I don't really want to rock with that, but SeatGeek gives you the best prices in town and with $20 on top of that, just sweetens the deal. SeatGeek, promo code FLOPITO. Let's do it. But... As it is for me right now, I got the pleasure of being a part of the Baseball United Content Corps, and I was hanging out with Liam Skiffington. Liam is the CEO of Sox, Stacks, Sox Stack. It is a newsletter for Boston Red Sox fans and fandom. This guy was amazing. We connected like brothers in Dubai, and I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with him. So let's get right to it. After the jump is my chat with Liam Skiffington of Sock Stack. Welcome back to New Am, Sam Raider, the podcast for creative thinkers and doers. And if you know me, little boys demand the, the mayor's office, I like doing things. I like sport. And so that' why that's the reason why my guest today is doing that in space. Please welcome Liam Skiffington, home of the Sock Stack, who was doing the dang thing in the baseball space, sir. Thank you so much for being on the show.
0: My boy, what's going on? It's good to see you again. It's been a minute. It's been a minute.
1: Dude, I was at the gym this morning and I was like, man, I haven't gone to the gym this early since my Dubai, <laughs> Dubai days. We were hitting <laughs> the gym at five o'clock in the morning, man. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that jet lag, man, was something else. I was at the gym at th- 3, 4 a.m. every morning. I just couldn't yeah. sleep.
1: So let's start with that, man. So we actually connected uh, in Dubai, of all things, with the Content Core for Baseball United. I was there alongside Black Baseball Mixtape. You were there on your own platform. Tell me about your platform and how you made it out there to the United Arab Emirates, man, to cover the sport.
0: Right. So it actually is kind of crazy. So I started like in this content game when I was in high school. I started writing about baseball, specifically the Red Sox, um, and then I kind of grew into like more of an overall writer covering uh different but you're aspects of mlp though. i'm from massachusetts originally oh, you're from i live massachusetts. in jersey okay, right okay, now right, yeah you that. can't take the massachusetts out of me though just making a show um, of that. <laughs> yeah. so as i started to progress with that i started to get uh more like high profile guests and then just the world as it uh like evolved media specifically became more audio and video reliant so i pivoted there started a podcast um when i moved to nashville to cover the Nashville sounds, the AAA team for the, um, ah, Milwaukee Brewers, sorry, brain fart. Yeah. Um, so I started just filming content. I did a little bit of writing down there, but that's when I started to kind of veer off and fully lean into uh podcast and video. And once I started doing that, man, it wasn't it, 16 months later, I found myself in Dubai. It was just yeah. kind of, kind of wild, man.
1: Well, how how did that actually happen? Was it like a thing where you're like, look, I want to be on, on a on the ground thing, or you realize, hey, look, content is something I love, I have my own little twist on it. Because for me being there, uh, it was like seeing nine different flavors of content. I never thought there was so many different ways to approach the game. What was your approach? What was your mission when you got out there?
0: Honestly, man, I was once we all had that initial call, we all were on. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know a lot of you guys like I knew I knew Billy and I knew the Bat Boys. Other than that, I didn't really know anyone else. Uh, actually, no, that's a lie. I knew Knez as well. But sure. that's just because they have they've amassed these massive followings that most people in the industry do know who they are, especially if it's within baseball. Um, so I was honestly super excited to work with all of you guys and watch all of you go about your business, because as someone who was probably newer to the game there than most of you guys yeah. it was just so awesome to see like how Knez would do his blo- vlogs during a game or how you would be literally flying all over the stadium doing different kind of content mark was the same way he was all over the place i kind of uh i just loved watching you guys go about your business um i remember like at the end of it so billy and i traveled there like together okay um and i remember at the end of it man I was just so I'm 26 years old. Billy's a little younger than me. I was just so proud of this freaking kid, man. For and just so impressed with the way he hustled. He was just grinding the entire time. Not that we all weren't, but right. for some reason he stood out to me. Maybe it was just because like I was with him the majority of the time there. But like that guy hustles, man. I love that kid.
1: No, I'm I'm with you. It, it is funny how like well I'll take a step back because. I'm a, I think we told this offline, but I got lucky with my assignment out there. It just so happens that we're on the mixtape together. We had Cash Shake, uh, the the majority owner of the league, on it, and he invited both of us. But Mark couldn't make it, so I went for the entire platform. And mm-hmm. the first no, the first day, they kind of like threw us in a, a suburban or was a Tahoe or whatever. that' not the car. Yeah, if they threw us in the car and they're like, "We're going to go ahead and work." And I didn't know. What the hell we were doing? I'm looking around. I see Liam there looking all like gangster, not talking to nobody. I'm like intimidated. These people are half my age. I'm an old man. I'm like 38 years old. I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing out here. But I thought it was cool as we went on because... Again, we saw the way different people did approach the game, but like there was kind of that bond there. It was like, yo, we're gonna sweat our balls off anyway, <laughs> or to cash these mm-hmm. guys anyway. Uh, let's make it work. And so you said that to me too, because again, you were training in the morning. Uh, we did our work in the afternoons and we saw the area at night too. So I respect the hell out of that. But so so you were getting the call. How did you pitch it to your family out there first? Cause I know for me it was kind of touch and go. Right. It was kind of like, Are we going? Are we not going? Do we have tickets to go? <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. been your mm-hmm. first trip going out there, right? So what's that? What's deal with that?
0: Man, so before we had this initial conference call with the content core, I didn't even have a passport. So <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> and on that call, they were like, Well, yeah, we want you guys out here in like the next like uh, five, six weeks. So it takes seven weeks to get a passport. So as soon as we ended that call. I, my girlfriend and I ran to the uh, post office to get all that taken care of. Yeah. And then thankfully it came in. I'm one of these people. I just have the worst luck of all time. Doesn't matter what the <laughs> circumstances. So in my head, I wasn't going to Dubai in my head, like my passport wasn't going to be there on time, but fortunately it did get there on time. Got there actually like four weeks later. So like okay. two weeks before we were supposed to go. So it was awesome. But after that initial call, man, Obviously I was pumped, like I said, covering my bases, getting my passport, yeah. but then like a couple weeks go by, none of us are really hearing much. Couple uh, Another week goes by, we're not hearing much. So then like our group chat started kind of being a little live, like, uh, like, Hey, what kind of like just bumping shit to people like, Hey, what are you, what's going on here? What's going on there? Yeah. You guys want us to book our own flights? Like what's the situation? Um, and honestly, I think because it was their first time doing it as well. And I know there was some issue they had with the, like the travel agency that they had contracted to do this. Um, I'm just thankful we all got to get out there, man, on time and, uh, have a great time.
1: No, absolutely, and 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 I'll be the first one to admit, and I'll, I'll I promise I'll shift gears. I saw us on the baseball you know, the chat. But, oh, you're uh, good, man. Uh, but I I was so I was so nervous of two different two different ways. It was yeah, I wasn't sure if it was legit, not legit. But I wasn't sure if it was things were set up or I would have to like figure it out when I landed. And two, unlike everyone else in my group, I wasn't. I wasn't my own brand so i didn't really know what i would do i'm working with this is the first time I'm actually working with something else and so mm-hmm. i did feel that same kind of way but again i was so glad to to see how we all just said okay i wonder how people like said i'm out <laughs> when they saw the challenges at first but we got to see it it was kind of making history out there in that part of the world so it's pretty awesome man
0: it was crazy and i don't know about you men but at least when i was over there like i said pretty fairly new to the content game when i was over there at least the first like day or two, I was struggling one with just anxiety because like across the world, I don't know anyone. Sure. Um, and then the other thing was I found myself at, like I said, just for these first two days, comparing myself to ever, all the uh, other creators. So comparing myself to Liam and comparing myself to Knez and I had to keep reminding myself that I'm not them. I did what I did. What I do is the reason I'm here. So I have to stick with that. I can't, uh Comparison is the killer dreams, man. True. So I, I had to continue to remind myself that throughout.
1: I, you know, what? I'll I'll tell you the story. So that that first ride, the first day, because we we got thrown into the SUVs, and I sat catty corner from you. And I'm like, damn, that Liam guy looks like he's just a badass. I don't know. I was so <laughs> overwhelmed. Because like I didn't know what it was. Are we competition at the time? Are we competition? Are we, are we going mm-hmm. to be like in a, in a press room? Is there a time where we get like interview space? Is there an interview room? I didn't know. I was so anxious. You'll notice this. I wasn't around the first night. I, I was there with you guys for 10 minutes. We listened to mm-hmm. the cash shakes, the little, like, um warm-up speech or whatever. And I just was so nervous. I sat in the stands and I give him all the credit in the world. I sat with um, uh, Patel's dad, KC. And yeah. I'm yeah. Just like, and I'm just like, man, what am I doing out here? And it's the fact that he was an old man, like almost like my family, because my dad was a cricket guy, too. We just like shot, shot the shit for like two or three hours and said, look, man, you made it all the way out here. Get yourself in the game and, and produce. But yeah, that first day I was like, I you know what? here's the word I want to say I was scared. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing out here? It's Thanksgiving week. Uh, these young kids, (laughs) I'm an old man, (laughs) you know what I mean? But I think uh, for me, what I found out going on, what made myself different was that I was okay with getting angles. And I thought that was like my, my little lane and asking people like dumb questions, like funny questions. That was what I kind of found my thing was that first day, day and a half. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know,
0: dude, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like I'll be straight up. I, my first day we got there. Um, it was me, Billy and Jennifer were the first three creators there. So it was just us. I. Not like an hour after we got to the hotel, I went to my room. I was on the verge of tears. I called my girlfriend. I was like, I don't think I should be here. I don't think I also, for some reason at that time, I didn't think I deserved to be there, especially yeah. given everyone else. This is what goes back to that comparison thing. Given everyone else I was around, they are probably like the titans of that industry, so to speak. Sure. So it was almost intimidating to be like brushing shoulders with these guys before I had the chance to actually know them.
1: It's funny because of all the people I worked with that week and everyone was great. There's no one that wasn't great. I mean, that
0: team they put together, man, sorry not to cut you off. No, absolutely. That team they could put together, they couldn't have done a better job. I felt that from the first second we all met each other, we all just clicked. We had that kind of chemistry, like we're all here doing this together. I just loved that. Like kind of, it almost was like a team yet. We're all doing our own separate things, but not competing with each other. So it was interesting.
1: Yeah, like i was saying like everyone kind of had their own little little lane and it reminds me of like a, a, when i played sports for the two weeks in high school <laughs> i was a i was a, a nose garden in uh in high school i was like uh five foot nine 275 i was a house so i just said <laughs> uh, but it was kind of cool to do that and 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 you and knez and uh, knez uh mark and myself we flew back together so we had that mm-hmm. whole morning just like just to chop it up and see how it was going on so i you know all respect in the world for you guys um absolutely but the reason why I wanted you on the show because, sir, you inspired me, right? I am I am a fan. If, if there's Liam Merch, let me know. Uh, when I get paid, I'll definitely buy some because you are the creative genius behind Sox Stack. Uh, talk to me about this. You're a Red Sox fan. Millions of those people exist. What made you decide to put everything together and make a platform to get Sox news in one location?
0: Man. So like I said, when I moved to Nashville, I started, you can see it right back here. I started Chatter in the Box. um, And then shortly after that, I was offered to um, go on Odyssey on a podcast called Baseball Isn't Boring with Rob Bradford. So I had a weekly spot on there where I would do power rankings. So then a couple of weeks after that, Rob had reached out to me and asked if I wanted to do my own show on uh, Baseball Isn't Boring, a weekly recurring show. And I was like,
1: yeah, of course.
0: So, started doing that. It was called stat. That's where you see this. Okay. Um, Respect. So stat after maybe like two months of doing that, I was like, okay, I, I feel like I got my groove. I feel like I, I found something here. I'm going to pivot to the Red Sox are my bread and butter, man. They always have. That's how I got my start. That's what I know best. That's what I love the most. So the, it's it made the most sense in my head to do this. So I started just the newsletter first, the website Sock Stack, which just a daily newsletter, uh, Red Sox information, hit your inbox, 7 a.m. every morning. Right. And then after that, I was still continuing to do stat, but I was like, why would I why would I have a podcast under a different name when I'm like the success I've had with Sock Stack just in this first month has right. been better than I expected. So I was like, I should probably just name. The show sock Stack as well have it all in one, so I can push all that content to one certain demographic. One thing I struggled with when I was trying to figure this out was, okay, well, going Sox exclusively limit me in terms of guests and the type of content I can do. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, like yes, it does, but on the other hand, just because I'm running sock Stack doesn't mean I can't reach out to someone not involved in the Boston Red Sox organization and interview them. You know sure. what I mean?
1: Sure, sure, sure. So.
0: Obviously my focus now is on Sock Stack continuing to build that up, um, as we move forward, but I'm still going to be, I reach out to probably 20, 30 people a day to come on a show or just let me interview them and then see what we can make out of that. Whether it's a Sock Stack podcast or a newsletter or just an article, I can freelance and post somewhere
1: else, Mm -hmm. um, so how's that work from the day? Do you like, do you take a writing section of your day and go, I'm doing the articles for today and tomorrow? Is, the, is it kind of like when breaking news things strike? Is it, I don't care what I write, but it's going to be scheduled for 7 a.m. tomorrow? What's, what's the deal?
0: Yep. So right now I've been trying to find the cadence. Uh, what I found is that I've a, written a couple like breaking news articles in the middle of the day when something crazy would happen in this last month. And obviously the numbers on that, because they're hot topics right then and there are a little higher than um, the newsletters that go out each morning. Okay. Um, it's just, I don't know, man. I've been having a tough time trying to find that balance. There's always going to be something hitting your inbox at 7 a.m. Whether that's going to be exclusive content from like an interview that I did or on the other hand, like a direct response to something going on in the Red Sox organization right now. Like I said, trying to find that balance, but not uh, not too worried about it. Um, Yeah. even I can also just continue to post those like midday articles and I don't have to send them out to the subscribers. I can promote them other places. So their email, so their uh inbox isn't being flooded constantly. Absolutely. Yeah, man. All about balance though. Like I said, we've been launched less than a month. Uh, so we're getting there. We're getting there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'll admit uh, I was I was super jealous, and I was like, "Damn, man!" I mean, I remember the days when I used to used to blog back when it was called the blog and um i'm kind of in the underground stages of of launching one of my own uh because i'm just saying like look man if leanem is like the coolest dude in the planet he has a little like following i could have a following too right uh but i think the most important thing oh stop (laughs) i think the most important thing of of, sock stack is the consistency i mean i I always had this picture of you like stopping like clark Kent, and like i have to go now and it's something going on like uh, do you your your network you mentioned your girlfriend family members like what's the level of support been like has it been times where the support has been lacking. What's that been like when you tried to build your platform,
0: man? So I will say I said this a couple times to Mark when we were in Dubai. There's no one in my life that's been more supportive of me in these dreams than my girlfriend. Like it takes a lot to, yeah, well, to put up <laughs> with me, but then also to like to be in a relationship as an adult and um like have your boyfriend go across the world for a baseball gig that's a contract gig with nothing really to come back to like that takes a special kind of person a special kind of, uh, level of trust and understanding and belief in me. Um, so yeah, man, I have so much support. It's been crazy. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be able to be here right now at this stage in my career. If I didn't have them.
1: I, I gotta say, man, like maybe I shouldn't blow up your spot, but I thought it was pretty cool that you got Nick Swisher to do a cameo. on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, man. So she, um, so my girlfriend's not, um, the big wasn't the biggest baseball fan before she met me um now she kind of is so that thursday that thanksgiving was our one year anniversary uh when we were at all at that polo field which was honestly the most beautiful place i've ever visited in my life absolutely um and so then I just walked up to Swish and I asked him to do like a, hey, get me out of the doghouse kind of thing here. Like she gave me, she told me I could go over, but like, you know, she's not going to be too happy about missing the one year. Right? right. And then he did it. And then, uh, so I, I didn't even tell her cause also the time difference, it was like early in the morning over here right? when I posted it. So I just posted it and then she calls me the next day and she was like, who the hell is that?
1: that's kind of funny it's like like, who's a stranger talking about us yeah
0: (laughs) honestly unless it was like otani or mike trout she probably wouldn't have it probably wouldn't have resonated anyways but um now we when we like when we have kids one day we got to look back at that and be like See what Dad did for Mom way back when.
1: <laughs> Your rocking chair <laughs> on the porch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I remember like growing up hating Nick Swisher because he was a Yankee fan, and of course, as I met, saying have to hate the Yankee fan. But coolest doing the planet, man. He's so so passionate about stuff.
0: The yeah. coolest dude, man. What you what you see is what you get. He's absolutely as advertised. It was fantastic just to be around him. You could feel his energy anytime he walked into a room.
1: Absolutely. Let's go Falcons. Uh, wh- oh, yeah. What what is the work work balance? I know there's a work life balance, but what's the work work balance? Do you have other journalistic jobs. You have a square job, as we call it here on the show. Do you balance that too, with addition to stack? So it's
0: funny you mentioned that. So right before Dubai, uh, I was working at a marketing company for a little over a year. I was working remote. I was on their CRM team, uh, building out their like, back-end communication stuff. Um, I got this opportunity to go to Dubai, and I said, you know what, man? I'm only going to be 25, 26 once in my life, not, not going to have kids for a little bit. Like I have I have a lot of freedom right now. Sure. So I elected to uh quit that job right before Dubai.
1: Whoa. Went
0: to Dubai. Yep. Went to Dubai, came back, uh started building up stock stack. And then right now I've just kind of been exploring other opportunities in media, trying to uh get some consistent income back. And yeah. Build them whoa, from whoa, there. Where
1: wait, wait, wait to bury the lead? Yeah, I bet on myself. Then flew across the country. What? <laughs> that I mean, I like, had it been scary though, right? Or was it scary? It was kind of Absolutely, like a time man. or like what was that feeling like?
0: Absolutely. And this goes back into like I had this conversation with my girlfriend, because obviously, like when you're you're an adult and you're having a life together, those are things you have to talk about if you want to have a healthy relationship, in my opinion. Yeah. So it was like, will this are we gonna be able to do this for a month or two while we figure it out. And the answer was thankfully, yes. And so since we got back from Dubai, man, like I said, I've been building up Sockstack, uh, just building out the network and looking for other opportunities within the media space to try and make money. I, lo- I loved marketing. I loved the company that I worked for, but I feel like I said, I'm not going to have this much freedom for that much longer in my life. Yeah. So I wanted to be able to explore different opportunities while I still have that time.
1: And I have to agree with that part. And it's not, okay. So a lot of times when I, when I was your age, it sounds weird, right? But when I, people, when I was in my twenties, back, my my back in my day, we, we had TVs and they were square not rectangular. No, um, they, <laughs> you know, it, it, changes. Cause you, you think about like the, the getting hit by a bus or things may change, but I think no one tells you about the decline of your age well so i'm in my late like, 30s so i'm still pretty good i work out six times a week <laughs> not to flex um but i do realize <laughs> when i travel there's creature comforts that i need that i i didn't need when i was in my 20s like i need mm-hmm. like a, a king-size bed i i can't do a hostel mm-hmm. like i need like an aisle seat because my legs don't bend for that long and i go As you get older, you'll get more and more of that, and that's more and more money. So if you're young, you got the energy, got the cash, and time, just go, 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 go. Even with your girlfriend, because when you're in your fifties and you have kids and they have braces, (laughs) that's what I'm saying, man. I'm probably.
0: I feel like I'll be flying to Dubai a little bit less when I'm fifty than than right now. It's either less or
1: so much more because you're that famous. Either one. Yeah, I guess we'll
0: see. I guess we'll wait and see. Another thirty years.
1: So what okay so you have the platform you're working on it man uh what do you do when you're not working on it what do you do for fun what do you do when, when it's quitting time do you believe in quitting time
0: uh i honestly man no i don't i think i think Custely especially run. if you want to i think especially if you want to succeed in something like this it's constant so like if for example like if something happened with the red sox right now i'd be writing that article as soon as we hopped off here sure. um so I it's Like I said, it's twenty four seven. I'm not a beat writer, so I'm not like that um, in tune with it. Like I'm not that like okay, this needs to be out right this second. Mm -hmm. Um, But I try and embody that as much as I can while continuing to balance like just regular life. Um, Because the more serious you take something, the better it's going to be. And I've proven that so far. I think in this just this first month of with socksack.
1: I know it's kind of a loaded question, but what is like the actual goal? Do you want to do more written content? Do you like the personality stuff? Do you like being a host of the show? Like, I know they all can interlock, but what's the one thing you think about when you think of success?
0: Uh, Ideally, man, I want to be a thought leader within the baseball space, whether it's Red Sox specific or uh, just baseball specific. I want to be a thought leader, and I want to have people following me that want my opinions on baseball, that crave my opinions daily uh on the game and how it's evolving
1: dude i crave that to me is the
0: epitome thank you thank you i appreciate that but that to me would be the epitome of success
1: so 2024 i mean we're still in the off season as we record this uh what's what's the the physical trips like are you going on the road are you going to follow the team on the road like is that also being laid out
0: yeah. So uh, last year, I made a couple of great connections with Boston's AA team in Portland. And then a uh, couple of years before that, I w- had some good connections with their AAA team in Worcester, which is like an hour outside of Boston. Um, so definitely going to be hammering their minor league teams. I'm right outside of. Uh, so I'm in Jersey city. So the, uh, Brooklyn cyclones play about an hour from me. Yep, There we go. (laughs) I went to that ballpark this, uh, summer, did a couple interviews there, but the Red Sox single a team will come through there. So I'm gonna, I got my, I got my arms all all throughout their system goal, ultimate goal for this year, man. And I had this goal last year, just didn't work out would be Mm -hmm. to do an interview ideally in Fenway park, but in a major league stadium with an A lister.
1: So, on, on the ground, like media access.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's awesome. that's where I'm hoping to build to, man.
1: I mean, you got, like, look, look, you have the receipts, man. You did it before. So, you're not some guy mm-hmm. off the street. So, I hope that that happens for you if it doesn't already. Right. Uh,
0: it's just, just, it's super difficult. I know to break in at the major league level with a team like the Red Sox. I, it's a lot easier with a team like the, say, the Miami Marlins or so, like a small market team that probably not a lot of media are reaching out to uh coordinate interviews for that makes sense
1: do you feel like there's a pressure for baseball creators to do more of like the sketch the sketches and the 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 product testings and like the comedy stuff or do you think there's still a lane for just hard news and hard uh, commentary
0: i think there's a lane i think you can combine both of them to some extent i'm not sure if you saw my most recent video on the red Sox. that was hard news reporting with a with like a T- not a twist, but like, a, and I don't want to say a comedic twist either, because it wasn't, the video wasn't meant to be funny, but it popped conversational. off. It, yeah. And it it was just talking about the Red Sox, how they are not like really telling the truth to their fans, not being transparent about their plans. And I did that really not thinking anything of it. I did that. There was passion behind that. Like I felt what I was saying in that. And then I posted it and it took off. And I feel like that video the format of that video is what I'm going to start leaning into a little bit of comedy, a dash of comedy. You know, I'm a funny one, (laughs) but with like real, real hard nosed. like this is happening. It's right in front of your face. Right. You can choose to believe it or not. Right. If that makes sense.
1: As he's just saying in the comedy clubs, I'll give you comedy, but no jokes. (laughs) Yep. It's it's all real serious (laughs) stuff. No, I I give you all the credit. I actually saw that because you're the, you're the only, on my blog, you're the only blog that I subscribe to. So it's a kind of like a link thing. I get all your stuff every day. Thank uh, just you. Just, uh, the Red Sox, man. Um, AL East is changing. There is a shift. Uh, let's be real. Uh, shout out to Tampa Bay. They're doing very well. Boston, not so much. Kind of in the bottom of your division. Craig Breslow's in the hot seat, man. What do you think about the prospects this year?
0: Dude, so... He's like, dude, let me tell you. <laughs> there's how much time we got. There's, wow. I, I could it. do hours on this. So, yeah. let me let me take it from the top real quick just with the transparency issue that they're mm-hmm. having. November 2nd, it's just going to be like a reiteration of my video real quick. November 2nd, Red Sox chairman Tom warner came out and said, "We're going full throttle this season." Two after two consecutive last place finishes, 22 and 23, Tom warner goes, "We're going to be full throttled this offseason." Meaning, they're going to have no financial restrictions. They're going to spend whatever they need to spend to bring in these free agents and make this team competitive again. Right. So then January 16th was the deadline for season ticket renewals for the Boston Red Sox. That's an important day because obviously it has to do with their bottom line, their revenue and fan engagement. So three days after that deadline at winter weekend, this last weekend, the Red Sox like winter event where all the players go and congregate and they do a bunch of fan engagement stuff. Uh, Sam Kennedy, the Red Sox president came out and said, you can basically expect our payroll to be lower than it was last year. Oh, which like that. And then that's, that was the catalyst man for that video and all of the reaction to it. The lack of transparency is crazy. You yeah. can't, if they were fully transparent, at the beginning of this offseason, they still would have the fans. They're losing fans right now. Fans are talking, boycotting Fenway Park this year. Am I going to do that? No. But are some people going to? Yeah, probably. Absolutely. I personally love going to the ballpark. It's my—I don't look at going to the ballpark as lining John Henry's pockets, even though like it is. But I don't correlate it like that. I look at it as something I do to enjoy like my own time, something I love to do. Mm -hmm. Um. But so in terms of the prospects, the can't miss prospects. I love all the top three men. I like uh, Marcelo Mayer, Roman Anthony, Sedane Rafaela. I love all those guys. I don't think they should be moved, to be honest with you. And I, th- I think it's good that the Red Sox are keeping them in their system. But you have to, if they have an, a trade opportunity for someone like uh, Cabrera from the Marlins or something like that, they're gonna want Mayer, and they should. They should think about it at least is all I'm saying. They shouldn't – it shouldn't be an automatic no because right. what they've come out and said is that they are looking to build around those three and be, like make that nucleus and build around them. So, so
1: – From the qu- for me, outside yeah. looking in, I always feel like that organization has been snake bit. Like all the times they trying to go over these big contracts, kind of blows up in their face. Chris Sales out the door. I mean you get Vaughn Grissom back, great, but it just feels like a lot of these half measures for a team that's in a huge market.
0: Right. They're essentially the moves that they did. So they brought in Tyler O'Neill, Great. Again, serviceable major league player. Not going to take them from a fringe team to a, a playoff team. They brought in Lucas Giolito. Great. Another serviceable pitcher. To You know he's going to give you at least 180 innings, probably a four and a half ERA. Great. And then you bring in Von Grissom. Awesome. Fills a hole at second base. Even combined, all three of those players aren't going to take this team from a fringe average playoff team to a playoff contender.
1: True, but is that an indictment of the Red Sox? Could be, or is that because of the AL East is so strong, right? Because I feel like the Red Sox would would kill in the AL Central, right? What team over? Right.
0: That's no. That's a great point. But I think I think you also have to look at your division when building your roster. And it doesn't seem to me or anyone like the Red Sox are actually doing that. Cause look at what all these other teams have done. Uh, Baltimore really didn't have to do much. They signed Craig Kimbrell. They really didn't have to do much. They're going to be dominant Toronto. If they put it all together this year, like they should, they're going to be another force. Same with the Yankees. Same with Tampa, man. Like the Red Sox are the the clear basement of the AL East right now. And Yeah. yeah, there's about a month until spring training comes two months until the season starts. But It's getting closer and closer, man. No free agent has signed yet, really. Like, no big-name free agent other than Otani and Yamamoto. Um, So I'm curious to see just where these dominoes fall. Like, will the Red Sox get that pitcher everyone's talking about? Will they get Snell or Montgomery? Will they get Jorge Soler? My answer is no. I don't think they are. And truthfully, I don't think they should because sometimes the best move you make in the offseason is the move you don't make. I don't really want to pay Jordan Montgomery as a number one starter. He wants to get more than Aaron Nola's deal. He's mm-hmm. not going to get seven years for $170 million. That's crazy. He's right. a, Again, he's a good... Jordan Montgomery, in my opinion, is a very, very good number two pitcher. He's postseason dominant for sure. He would help the Red Sox immensely. I still, again, don't think that he's going to be... That ace, though, that everyone that everyone seems to have this opinion that he's, like, this number one pitcher. Why? Because he had a good postseason this year? That that doesn't mean he's worth $170 million. Right.
1: Yeah, it is kind yeah. of interesting how, how the, the ace concept is more and more fluid as there's less innings being, <laughs> being tossed out by these guys. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I do absolutely right. Yeah. You're not wrong there. Uh, so, I, I, look, it sounds to me you're in all, you're in all the way. Even in bad seasons, you're a Sox fan for life. So what was the moment for you when you were like – Oh, this breaks my heart, but I ain't leaving. <laughs> <laughs>
0: ah, geez, Jesus, sorry. <laughs> there's there's many men. So yeah. I really became like a full fledged diehard fan my freshman year at high school. I was uh, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis during that point, so oh, yeah. <laughs> I was home from school a lot, lost a lot of weight, didn't have, wasn't able to do much. So, but one thing that was consistent in my life then was the Boston Red Sox every night at seven o five p m. So that's really when I fell in love with the team. I always loved baseball. Always loved the red, always liked the red Sox that year in 2012 though, they won 69 games. It was absolutely an awful season. Bobby Valentine was the manager. I know you're a Mets guy. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and it was just, I don't know, man, I got through that season and I was just like, I fucking love this team so much. And then luckily for me, I don't think it could have worked out better. The following season, they won the world series worst to first. So,
1: right. um,
0: yeah, if that that 2012 season, man, really made me be like, oh, this is what it's like to be like a Red Sox. Fan. This is what it, this is what it felt like like for my parents when they were growing up with the Red Sox not winning, like oh, they were yeah. just so <laughs> such ass teams for so long. Yeah, um, and then yeah,
1: that's passed been, down generation to generation.
0: <laughs> yeah, the last decade they've I mean they've won two World Series the last decade, but they've also finished in last place four times. So how do you how do you measure that?
1: yeah as you can tell that, that's why you know we're a general manager and I always tell this on on the black baseball mixtape plug 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 that I play out of the park baseball where you get to be a GM because it, you're not just picking up a team, you're picking up like families and livelihoods and stories. um for me, mm-hmm. Met's fan since I was since day one, uh, but there was a two thousand World Series. Where I felt someone in my family had passed away, <laughs> and right. then I had to go to school the next day and defend it. I'm like, yeah, I thought we was going to win it all. I'm like, I had no idea. And I said, you know what? When lose a draw, I'm a Met fan for life. So I respect the heck out of that.
0: Who's uh, your all time Met?
1: So in in like pubs and and if I don't know you, I'll always say Piazza because it's a nice safe choice. Uh, I do okay. think David Wright's one of the best Mets of all time. Uh, I know you Tom think Secret he's a Hall of Famer. I do. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer this year, maybe even next year. Uh, I, I do think uh, on the amount of team records that he has uh, for that franchise, especially in a period where the Mets were the basement of the entire league, like a punchline <laughs> on Saturday Night Live, I do think he is. Um, sure. Adrian Beltran, please go ahead. Can I, can please, I, can I, please, can I pose an ahead. argument? Okay, hit me.
0: Okay, so David Wright has all the Mets records. Ryan Zimmerman has all the Nationals records. He's not oh, in the Hall of Fame for that oh, reason.
1: Ryan Zimmerman is a very good player, but I think there's something to be said about the what I call the Suver Cup uh, quotient. Zimmerman was a good guy on the team that was pretty stacked uh, from talent. The, the Mets had absolutely nothing and they were mm-hmm. competitive until our annual collapse in August. <laughs> and I think that should have some <laughs> value. And I know people say, no, man, that's a different thing. The hall of fame is this kind of level of accident. I'm not knocking that, but with the, like I was saying, pitching responsibilities are, are different, hitting responsibility, different batting average doesn't matter anymore. It's getting harder and harder to have a rubric of who needs to be a hall of famer. It was up to mm-hmm. me. If I could control everything, maybe you're eight. Or even by committee, I'll put right in there. But there's no way he should be like beating Bell Trey. So seven percent, I'll take. Keep him on the ballot next year, so you can think about mm-hmm. it. Uh, you got me all yeah. Well, he's definitely not he falling got,
0: off. He's definitely not falling over. off. Well, here's the thing: he's
1: at seven <laughs> percent as of right now. As we're recording this, they're going to announce uh, the Hall of Fame inductees this afternoon. So seven percent. He's at seven
0: percent right now.
1: He's at seven percent, and that's all the oh, public man. ballots. So the private ones haven't been recorded yet. So I'm I'm nervous. I am, he ain't taken. <laughs> I'm taking
0: nervous. Taking a seven <laughs> percent jump
1: (laughs) i'm just hey i want to be still in the game you know
0: um i'm a david wright guy also i don't i don't want any i like i'm not a david wright hater i just don't think he's a hall of famer uh, that's hall of famer for sure
1: uh don't don't do that don't do that to me liam (laughs) we're out of time
0: (laughs) i I wrote an article today about dwight evans how he should be in the hall of fame there's people in the hall of fame who have numbers far worse than his harold baines jim rice there's plenty plenty of examples but like no i so i i'm I'm sympathizing with you. I get it.
1: I get it. He's not a first ballot. I don't even think he's the first three or four ballots, but I think that there that should be a spot for David Wright in the hall. Uh, but that's the captain. You know, I get it as well. But no, to answer your question, as a kid growing up, my favorite Met is actually the obscure Benny Agbayani because I was a thick boy and Benny was thick like me. He was all ass. And I was like, I had the same shape. So I was my favorite one growing up was Benny Agbayani, but I said David Wright or, or Mike Piazza's favorite man.
0: He was all ass, he says.
1: <laughs> no, I, no, like a <laughs> it was me. It was only me. Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> I remember you showing me. I remember in Dubai, you showing me like a picture of you when you were like littler in high school or something. You're
1: massive, man. How did you lose all of that? Uh, you're not going to believe this, but the subway diet. No uh, way. When I was in grad school. Yeah, I was in grad school. Well, California is very image conscious. So thankfully, and you can run outside in January. So that helped. But I didn't know anything about nutrition because I was living on my own. I was eating whatever was cheap, and cheap is usually pizza back then. Ramen wasn't ramen was a thing, but it wasn't like how it is now. Also, that's
0: just just that's what every guy that lives alone eats.
1: Yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) Every every single guy (laughs) listening to
0: that knows exactly what you mean.
1: Right? You know, and and I didn't know. What balanced diet was, but you saw the commercials, and so I went to Subway. And Back then, a the foot long was like six dollars, now it's like 13, so you can't do that anymore. Uh, but yeah, I, I got a Subway club twice a day, six days a week, and on day seven, eight, whatever, whatever I wanted, And I lost 80 pounds that first year just on some of that alone, and that's why I go into the gym, and I still try to maintain it and all that stuff. So
0: that's how. It was. So, so okay, so you I was three seventy five for how long? You were 375?
1: Oh, yeah, my habits have 375 in my third year in undergrad. And uh, yeah, so twice a day. So I moved to California in August of 07. I know I'm old. Uh, and I ate Subway. You're wise, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, <laughs> I'm vintage. Uh, I, I ate Subway until that end of school year because because uh, this is kind of peeling back the curtain. My income was basically the over loan for my student loans. So that's why I lived off of. So I got yep. money until the summer. So I would say, yeah, from from August till about April May, I lost eighty pounds that first year. I just eating something. Holy crap, man! Okay, but so you so have you get to two a it.
0: day. Sorry, now I'm now I am locked in on this. Okay, yeah. You so two a day,
1: Subway Club, no mayonnaise, of course. You know, see the mayonnaise out. Yeah, two a day, one at 11 at, one at eleven a.m. and one at six p.m. And that was what I ate. Would you
0: go twice, or would you get both of them the first time you went?
1: uh it would depend so typically i would go twice because like the one by my house was different from my school but if i was going because i was um, a film editor uh in, yep. in grad school i was in so as long as you have those hours in studio i would just yep. go and say all right let me get my two sandwiches and it didn't, there was no mayo so you we were fine with it i'll stack them up but typically i would get two different trips <laughs> okay oh yeah. my god man. yeah yeah wow, so i lost uh, i've never 100. met
0: someone actually that did that diet and it actually worked for them
1: no it, it does I work tried. but but the problem with, and you know this because you, you're you also a workout guy, the, the plateaus will hit hard. So you'll hit a plateau, oh, yeah. and like, I guess I got to eat a meatball sub this week, you know, and then mm-hmm. they go back to that and stuff like that. So that was – and after 175, I got the surgery to remove the skin. This is cool because I don't have to carry all the extra skin to my, on, on me, but now I'm, like, weirdly yeah. shaped in places because <laughs> I got how, some plat- – um,
0: <laughs> If you don't mind me asking, how long was the recovery from that uh, surgery?
1: Oh yeah. So, so what I had was called a, a flirty liambioplasty. So it's a tummy tuck. Um, okay. and yep. so my job, they say, if you can, if you have like a, a non-physical job, you can go back to work in about a week. Uh, oh, I did sweet. mine okay. about, about 10 days. So by day 10, I was comfortable enough to, to drive, um, uh, a vehicle or whatever. Um, yeah. the psychological recovery is about three months. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason okay. being is that well, one, I had a complication where I almost died, but that's a side of the issue. We can talk about that if you want to. But sorry
0: but, to hear about that, man.
1: Well, my my suture mm-hmm. line had reopened, and that started bleeding out of my couch, and I couldn't yep. stop it. And I thought I was going to like because I didn't have um, like I'm getting into the weed. I didn't have like stitches, like traditional stitches, like the, the thread and needle. I had yeah. like the, the super glue where they put the skin mm-hmm. together and glue on the inside. So that had ripped yeah. open, and that was a whole big deal. <sighs> but the psychological recovery is because for the first three months, and here's the gimmick, because it's your ab and your core, you're not supposed to lift every, anything over 20 pounds. So yep. I was the kind of guy that at the end of the week, I would like take my laundry bag and just sling it over my shoulder and head all down to the laundry mat. I had to ask for help or I had to ask yep. for help to get my, my meals made. And I went to a movie, but I had to wear all these like baggy sweatpants because I couldn't have anything touching. Mm-hmm. And I felt like so helpless. And that took longer to recover from than the actual like, you know, yeah. So life.
0: I hear you, man. I'm, I'm sorry that you went through that, but I appreciate you being open with me about that. That's wild. I did. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when I was in high school Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I did actually get my colon removed. So I had a colostomy bag for a little while. So sure. going back to like the abdomen thing that you were talking about, that's when it kind of rang in my head. Um, the feeling of like helplessness and stuff, post-surgery and stuff, it was unbelievable especially like you said you can't really move when you have something done to your abdomen you really right. can't do much you can't lift you can like i needed to be help up helped upstairs and the psychological toll that takes on someone especially when you're younger exactly it's crazy it was something i never would have imagined thankfully like now i'm doing far better um like i'm good good to go oh, these yeah. days but it was it was a process man it took me literally years to finally be into the place i am so no it's, it's a lot- Making that quick, man. That's no, no, thank applause. you. man.
1: My first marathon, actually, you mentioned it was, it was the CCFA. I actually ran for the CCFA, the Crohn's Collapse Foundation of America, because my mom had that, vert- that verticulitis. So it was kind of like, I was like a, a savant in learning about any kind of like conditions there. And, and it's rough, man. And no one quite understands. It's like, hey, are no, you okay today? You're like, what's your problem? You're like, no, my insides are fighting me. Like, what
0: the? And it's not something like, most people at least in my experience i certainly was like it's not something you're gonna like talk about to someone that you're not really that close with you know what i mean right. it's like a real really like personal i don't know it's just something that especially while i was going through it i didn't really want anyone knowing about it
1: oh absolutely makes man. Sense. but you're yeah. here today man and you're young and virile and you can like lift up ball balls and stuff man.
0: yeah man and that's <laughs> like that was when we were taking the um shuttle from the airport to dubai to the hotel that first day i just remember looking out the window and being like wow i like four years ago i never would have thought i'd be able to do something like this so it was really like a surreal moment for me um was
1: was that, that, when that, that the moment everything, everything hits you at the same time you're like oh man
0: yeah yeah and i was like wow man the the kid that like was sick in that bed for like that year year and a half like He'd be so fucking proud of you. Sorry for swearing on here, but like, he'd be so goddamn proud of you, man, for yeah. what you're doing. So, sorry, I got goosebumps now, but yeah, man. So that whole experience to me, honestly, like, I'll tell you this. I got, uh, I came back home. I got the Dubai skyline tattooed on my uh, leg. Right oh, dang. That.
1: That's, that's yeah.
0: dope, man. Wait, with the
1: frame and the little sail thing. And the, <laughs> yeah, just the, just
0: the skyline, man. Yeah, with Let's the very go. Thing. Yeah, 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 it was, uh, it was an amazing trip for me personally and professionally.
1: You know, there's one reel I made uh, where I just had, like, a picture of, like, the, the, the airplane flying in over a map. I watch it, like, almost every day because it came right. out of nowhere. We went out there. We came, saw Concord, part of history, and it was amazing, man. I'm going to get something, too. Why, why the hell not? I'm due. I only, have, yeah. I only have four pieces, but I'm due for something else, man. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm slacking. I'm behind. Um, you know what it's the okay. I got five. Is? They're all little, though. But the problem with me is like, I can never settle on an artist. I'm like, Oh man, this person, this person's great. Oh, a two year wait. Well, (laughs) yeah.
0: (laughs) well, that's (laughs) the problem too. If you want like a design or something, like I just have, I have like script on my arm and stuff. So it's not like, it doesn't take that great of a tattoo artist to do that. Um, But if you want like a design, something that looks great. Yeah. You're going to be on a wait list for a little bit. You're going to be spending some big bucks too.
1: Got to do a big man. I got one life to live. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, no, I hear you, man. I hear you. Would you, you ever can, get uh, sleeves?
1: Uh, so I, I actually thought about it, getting sleeves, like like at least like one up to, to here, because I want to yeah, be able to control who sees it and who doesn't. Like I like mm-hmm. my piece because here's something that's interesting. I had – a shoulder piece when I was heavier, but I lost a weight, so it's like down here past the the, the T-shirt line. Okay. And I realized that some people notice, and some people don't, and it doesn't matter matter, matter to me. That's why I got—I'm not ashamed of it. But sometimes I want to be able to show someone or take the guns out, and not someone go, uh, "What's that?" Because I have mm-hmm. um on my shoulder. It's a it's a Statue of Liberty, but she holds a microphone instead of a torch, right? From New York. Oh, students, sweet! Students, I like students. that. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. But like sometimes you don't want to like you know become uh, a guy in a fishbowl with one of those. What's that? What's that? What's that? So I will get a sleep, but I'll make sure. I hate
0: hate those people. Those people drive me nuts. And I also hate tattoo shamers. I don't, sorry. We got, I don't know how we got here. I absolutely hate them, man. They drive me nuts. Like if someone, if someone elects to let, let me cook real quick. If someone elects to put something on their body, Right. You shouldn't like everyone can have their yeah. own opinion. You shouldn't be like interrogating on them, interrogating them for the reason why they chose to do that. I don't True. know. It's always been something that's irked me.
1: Dude, I'm with you. Like, I guess because I'm like a Star Trek fan. Like, if you go to a country and someone has a certain design or a certain skin color, it's like fine. Like, I don't give a right. <laughs> You're gonna do with me? <laughs>
0: right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I I always just think anytime I see anyone with any kind of like, even if they're crazy tattoos, I'm like, oh, I, I just want to know the story behind it. Like, why? I'm a tattoo guy. Why did you get that? What? Maybe there was no reason behind it. Sometimes, oh, yeah. and I yeah. think that's also why some people get like frustrated frustrated when they're at when they ask that question. It's like, all right, some
1: people just get it because like looks cool, man.
0: Like they're, right. they're, it's not
1: that deep. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm a collector, let me know. It's different, way different than like you will never get a job. You'll never get in the right. you, you know what I mean? But oh,
0: my God, that dude, that's another, <laughs> you'll never get a job if you have tattoos. Okay. Heard that I, my entire I, life when I, I when I, I got my first tattoo at 18, my mom was like, you're never gonna get a job.
1: I was like, you think they're gonna be inspecting my left arm? <laughs> Well it depends. It was the Chippendales. I don't know what your job was. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'd be <laughs> so, a lot richer now. Right, right. Forget <laughs> running for a living. I'm shaking that ass. Yeah. Uh, so very <laughs> off the rails. Yo, sorry. All right, stock
0: sack is done. Stock sack yeah, is done. I'm right, going we're, to Vegas.
1: We're, we're going to shift over to to like just shaking that boot, that booty. <laughs> that by Baguayani booty. Um so on the show, we always ask people on the show a couple questions, kind of like a speed round situation. Uh first number one. Uh what is still on your travel bucket list
0: travel bucket list I want to go to the Bahamas
1: okay for a don't blink or
0: for don't uh I mean just to go just to okay yeah just to relax maybe maybe a not baseball trip for once
1: yeah for once yeah <laughs> a lot of times now I'm kind of like I wonder there's a park nearby it kind of changes your whole little vibe
0: every single time we go somewhere man I'm like oh cool and I'll look up to see if I can get a credential at like the closest minor league ballpark. <laughs>
1: Nothing wrong with that. Nope. <laughs> you can run nope. it off. Always you know, grinding, right, man. Yeah. <laughs> Always hustling. Besides Fenway, what's the best sports venue you ever visited?
0: Uh, sports venue? I would have to say last year I went to Knoxville, the University of Tennessee's opening game, their football stadium. Um, I think it was against App State, and they yeah. absolutely crushed them. The atmosphere in there was like nothing else I've ever experienced before. Whoa. And I'm I hate football. I hate football. You hate football. Hate it.
1: I'm neutral I, on it, but you hate why do you hate it? Like I just did, I,
0: like- <laughs> I just don't like it. I've never I never got into it. I played a couple years when I uh was growing up, but yeah, never never got into it. I can't sit there and just like watch. I don't think there's I don't know. It's just no, never been true. my thing. I'm baseball. I would say if I had to pick a one second, it would be basketball. And then I really could care less that's after that
1: uh, i get not caring less i just figure like you like you hate like oh one time like these like football ninja oh no no, no. i don't family. hate
0: hate is a strong word hate's a strong <laughs> word is i don't watch i don't watch football i'm very indifferent about it
1: uh, i'm super casual like i because i used to play i used to play and out and, and i walked on thinking i would be like a running back but again i was in high school i was 275 so i had to be a nose so to me it was yeah. super boring and i was like but yeah uh everyone <laughs> don't about. uh everyone collects something what do you collect
0: Ooh, I collect like I collect media credentials and I collect uh okay. autographs, flexing media credentials. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I collect VIP tickets, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, uh, hey. credentials
0: and autographs.
1: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. enamel pins for my baseball trips. That's pretty much what I collect. That's ooh, I like yeah. that. Uh, we talked about you hustling all the time. So I usually ask if you believe in days off, but Mrs. No Days Off is on the show right now. Uh, and, fi- and finally, what is your favorite junk food, sir?
0: Oh, my God. Wow. Favorite junk food.
1: I swear big to God, Cheetos. if you say salad, okay.
0: <laughs> no, big Cheetos. Big Cheetos. <laughs> yeah, it's what? salad with crispy chicken.
1: <laughs> Don't <Duh>, Stop. <laughs> Crispy. Oh, wow. Well, wait, hold on, hold on. So what do you, do you like pick out certain days? Is it kind of like a daily treat thing? Like what's Cheetos like?
0: Oh, so see, I have absolutely zero self-control when it comes to anything like that. So I can't even have it in the house unless the whole bag's going to be gone. So as a, as a standard practice, we don't keep snacks in this house often, except if it's like uh, pretzels we'll always have on deck and then multi-grain chips we'll have on deck.
1: Those don't count. Like, I no. guess they are technically unhealthy, but if I go to a party and someone has multi-green chips, I'm like,
0: yeah, you're kind of like, you're an asshole. I get it. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, like I said, man, if there was a bag of Cheetos right here, I'd delete the whole entire thing. Same, same. I'm the same way with candy. Same way with anything. That's like bad for me. Honestly, just have that like need, need to kill the whole thing.
1: Yeah. I'm the same way. I feel like I, I'm still a fat kid. If you just give me the opportunity, I'm <laughs> just like, what's like your, Kirby. what's your
0: favorite junk food?
1: I eat them all, but I got a sweet tooth though. So like now okay. I get like the the soft baked cookies. That's kind of like my my jam. But uh, I'm a, a cake donut guy. Uh, when I moved away from the East Coast, there was no Dunkin'. And so when I got to L. A. The first ten years, I had a, I was on a donut shop tour to find a donut yep. shop that would qualify. <laughs> so yep. I still do that. Um, I'm not into chips as much, but if you give me like the the honey twist pretzels, the Snyder's the Hanovers, it's a wrap. <laughs>
0: You know? oh yep man. yeah the, the, like the honey mustard ones you ever have mm-hmm. those like the bits oh so good i have one question for you hit me and the only reason this popped in my head because i was talking about it yesterday or earlier today with one okay. of my buddies what was your first car
1: oh a, a 1999 silver toyota camry solara SLE v 6 a two-door
0: okay okay yeah wow. so damn, a, that's
1: yeah for a first car's yeah. pretty legit yeah yeah
0: yeah damn okay all right When did you, how old were you when you had that car? Like what, where did that car fall in line of like newness when you got it?
1: My age or like the year? Well, same thing, right? So yeah, same uh, thing, I guess. It was, it was 2004. So it was, it was a five-year-old car. But the reason why I got it is that my undergrad was in Florida and being from New York, we didn't realize most of the country is all roads. (laughs) So Mm. I got there my first year and I was (laughs) stranded they're like, okay, we're getting you a car. That's how it happened.
0: Gotcha. Okay. The reason I asked was just because my first car was a 1990 Buick Regal
1: oh, dang. two-door
0: coupe. It was white and it had velvet, bl- bright blue, like blue, like your shirt, velvet yeah. interior.
1: I am about to say, yeah. That's the Bukes <laughs> are known, Bukes and Osmobiles are known for that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. I <laughs> I was looking at pictures of that thing yesterday, and it was just bringing me back. Like I really was bumming around in this car for two years. So Crazy. many stains. <laughs> that car was free. So yes, so many, <laughs> <laughs> so many stains. Oh, so man. many stains. So many. Bad memories, good memories. Yeah. All, if that car could talk, man, yeah,
1: that's what we're talking about. The first car is the best thing, man. I, fr- I appreciate oh, that. yeah, uh,
0: I said, I said the other day. No matter how rich and successful I get, and if I get to the level where I expect to be, I'm. I cannot wait. To have like a nice house, but then buy my son that exact car and make him drive around in a yeah.
1: <laughs> Are you gonna follow around with him with like your Maserati just like to laugh at him?
0: <laughs> yeah, just to be just, yeah, yeah. exactly. Bill's character, you know? <laughs> kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no, I'm gonna drop him off in the Maserati at school uh, on Monday. Then on Tuesday, I'm gonna make him drive that car there. For the rest of the week,
1: you should, buy, you should buy the car now and just have it in the garage. Yeah. In the go the little layer Just have it. it.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah, they know? might not be able to find one by the time I have a kid. Nineteen ninety.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's an antique classic car. <laughs> Uh, Yo, Liam, this has been a a rare time, man. It's hanging, chopping up with you, man. But I think now's time for the fun stuff. If I want to connect with you, if I want to follow Sockstack, if I want to, you know, check out your podcast, how I'll go about doing that, baby.
0: Dude, you can go. I mean, I'll send people right to my Instagram. It's at Liam Skivington. You can find me on all platforms at that same thing. Uh, Sockstack is always in my bio. If it's not directly Sockstack, my link tree is right in there, which has Mm Sockstack on it. Uh, Go like, subscribe. Uh, Daily newsletter, podcast coming. More video content coming soon, man. This was awesome, Flo. I appreciate you having me, man. And we definitely got to do it again.
1: Oh, absolutely. Actually, I'm going to unsubscribe because you hate David Wright. But besides that, <laughs> <laughs> no, besides that, it was a lot of fun, man. Just chop it up. You're, you're a real one. And in fact, is, when you get to be my age, there's less and less real ones out there. So I really appreciate the time. It means a lot to
0: me. I appreciate you, man. You're a real one as well.
1: Yes, yeah, sir. Let's do it again. This is New Amsterdam Maria the podcast for creative thinkers and doers.